This is 12 Questions with Anna Valenzuela. Today we're talking to Jack Grisham of TSOL and a bunch of books and bands and everything wonderful. He's a really interesting person. He just recently wrote a book called A Principle of Recovery. We have a really great discussion about that. If you'd like to reach the podcast, you can reach us at at 12QPod at Twitter and Tumblr. We also have a Facebook page, 12 Questions with Anna Valenzuela. You can also reach me at Anna V is Fun. All right, guys, let's do this. So, so, hi, Jack. Hi. Hi. Hi again. Good. good hi again. You. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for doing this. You're very welcome. By the way. You're welcome. It's good. I get to take a break anyway, so it's good. Yeah. From writing this amazing book. It's going good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just finishing this book. It's called A Principle of Recovery. Got it. And, um. You know, we talked about a little bit earlier, mm-hmm, like like mm-hmm. a principle. What's a principle? It's a code of conduct. So basically, it's a code of conduct of recovery. How I've acted, what I've done, some good, some bad, some you know, some of it's it's my journey, like going through and doing these steps, and uh, a lot of it's uh, you know from the perspective of someone that's been clean over twenty six years, and a lot of it I go back to being brand new and saying, "You guys are f- out of your fucking minds. Right. This is crazy." Right. Yeah, so, so that's it. And I, and I'm really like a, I'm a Christian based hardcore agnostic. So, Explain that for me. Well, I believe in the teachings of Christ. Okay. They're great. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. It's like Thomas fucking Jefferson. Fucking bitching dude. Yeah. Here's a, <laughs> like this is see a lot of people have never seen that. This is the Jefferson Bible. Right. Well, you can't see it, but if you guys could see it, it's <laughs> the life and morals of Jesus of Nazareth. Right. And it's basically what Jefferson did is he took out anything. It was like a miracle or magic God stuff he removed. And he also removed anything that the church had put in to try to build up their status. Totally. So it's it's gnarly. It's like an anarchist. Right. <laughs> it's like an anarchist guide of, of just, hey, follow these teachings. Right. These teachings are unbelievably mm-hmm. great and powerful. So that's, I believe in the teachings of Christ. I believe in the concept of the sacrifice of the death i believe in the unselfishness of that myth or not it's a it's a it's i mean there are a lot of formulas that we believe that can't really be proven except on paper right right and so if you look at you look at and i and i do not want to come off sound and hardcore christian because that is not the case but but the principle of someone dying for someone else not just the people that loved him but to give up his life for those who hated him Right. is gnarly. I mean, that, I'm a selfish prick, man. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, you, you're you going to hurt. It's like, if you're going to fuck with one of my kids, then maybe I'll stand in front of a bullet. I mean, right. it's been debated. But maybe maybe <laughs> I will stand in front of my kids Depends to save kid. their life. Okay, right. so, however, what if my worst enemy was in a position to be killed and I, would I give my life up for him so he could live? It's gnarly. I mean, it's a really right. gnarly concept. It's it's a very bold concept of unselfishness. Mm-hmm. So so that I look at that as a truth. Right. So so there's parts of this I look at, but do I believe in some you know fucking bearded deity and this walking around and a, some penises up there? Fucking you know, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. And there is nothing in my journey through the steps that have brought that has brought me beyond some form of material phenomena. Nothing. So Okay. Okay. Anyway. 
No, so, I love and, that. And, but it's quite okay. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is, like, like there's a lot of people that will get stuck on the God word and fight the God right. word, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, it's like, look, it's, prohibitive. It, it's basically, mm-hmm. it, at least, the you know, mainly the program I work the the other pro more the the alcoholics deal programming stuff but a lot of that is basically it's all goes back to self 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 it doesn't right. say that these people tapped an outer resource right it says they tapped an inner resource exactly. it's an unsuspecting inner resource not from outside and even if you look at the 11th step when you're talking about 11th step shit they're not saying listen for the voice of god Listen for the voice right. of God. They're saying, hey, get in touch with yourself. Pray get in touch with your higher self, your conscious, mm-hmm. whatever it is. So, yeah, all right. I didn't want to jump into all that right no, now. No, I love it. I love it. I actually, I'm going to ask you 12 questions. Okay. And it's going to get into all of those themes. So okay. I'm really excited that we kind of, we If I'm willing that. to answer them. If you're willing to answer them, you can yes. say pass or whatever. Okay. Pass. Um. <laughs> yeah, I will pass. I'll pass. I'd like to pass on the first question, please. <laughs> okay. Can we call it uh, first question? B, part B. Part B. Part B. Okay, okay. part B. It's two uh, parts. Two parts. <laughs> uh what is your most unmanageable moment before getting clean? And what has been your most unmanageable moment in recovery? Well, let's talk about what's unmanageability. What does do that it. mean? Let's do it. You know, it's, you know, it's so funny. I, I'll hear people say, uh, you know, oh, uh, you're going to jail. Your life's unmanageable. Right. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go to jail through un- well. behind principles. Not unmanageability. Nelson Mandela was in jail behind a principle. Does that make his life unmanageable because yeah. he was in jail? Right. It's crazy. No. So let's discuss something else. You're unmanageable because your financial world has collapsed, really? A lot of people's financial worlds collapsed. Does that make them unmanageable? No, of course not. It's like a lot of the reasons why people will say you're unmanageable, you're unmanageable, you're unmanageable, and they don't really know what the fuck they're talking about. Right. What do we, when we're talking about unmanageable, unmanageable by who? Okay. Who, who is the manager? They were unmanageable by. How and, did you define and what, that? Well, I'll, I'm going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you. We're talking about the dictates of a higher power, higher mm-hmm. enlightenment, higher consciousness, okay. higher power. So now, if 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 I define my higher power as one that is uh, intelligent, that is kind, compassionate, loving, so these are the dictates that I must follow. If I am unwilling to follow those, then I am unmanageable. And no God punishes me. No, nothing. It's like I'm unmanageable when I don't follow those dictates. Right. So if I practice being, if I practice being uh, unintelligent, I'm punished for it. Right. I'm punished for it. So, so it's, when, it's when I'm not willing to play by the universe's rules. You know, uh, it, it's like if you look at a baseball team, you know, there's a, a manager on a baseball team and, and they're, they're playing in the middle of a game and the pitcher's can't hit the plate. He's pitching like shit. He can't hit the plate, right? Mm-hmm. So throws four balls, walks the guy. Throws four balls, walks the guy. And they can win. All they need is one more run, right? And the guy gets up and he goes, man, don't swing. Don't swing. This bitch can't hit the plate, <laughs> man. Don't swing. <laughs> a walk's a run. We're in. We win. Guy gets up to the plate. Pitcher pitches the ball. He swings, hits it, hits a home run. They win. Everybody comes in and he wins. Now, is he manageable or unmanageable? Personal success, yes, but would he follow the dictates of a higher power? No. He wouldn't follow the dictates of the manager. So the personal success meant nothing. 
didn't mean that he had anything, he had any of this. It was the bottom line, he wouldn't follow those dictates. So you'll get people in here and say, no, you're broke, you're unmanageable, you're divorced, you're unmanageable, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And that doesn't have anything to do with it. Because a lot of people are very successful and still unmanageable because they live selfishly. That's they don't true. follow the dictates of, of this instead of themselves. So would you define that sort of as an inner feeling or as sort of friction with the universe or are you a team player you going along with the group or just yourself where are we if you're out if if you're unmanageable when you're in Mm self-seeking bottom line unmanageable you're not playing as a team player you're not thinking of the group of the whole of anything it's just right there and that's our basic that's our basic flaw when we come in you know, we're, we're powerless over a substance and our lives are unmanageable. We're, we refuse to play by the dictates of a higher power. Right. I mean, and I, I've, I've sat with people because I hear this bullshit from these fucking guys, uh, you know, program guys that, that, you know, have been to jail or blah, 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 got nothing or whatever. And they took manageable and manageable, all this bullshit. Hey, I was working with a guy one time. I'm flying on his jet, driving his fucking $300,000 car to the airport to go get him on his jet to go fly somewhere. And he looks at me with maybe a week clean. And he says, Jack, tell me how my life's unmanageable. Hmm. We're on my jet. We just pulled up in my car and we're flying to my chalet. Please tell me how my life's unmanageable. So do you see what I'm saying? So it doesn't, a lot of people will put material or whatever on right. it and it's not. Right. It's an unwillingness to play by the dictates of a higher power. And the or, consequences of yeah. that. And that's what happens. Right. You're punished. You get punished by it. And it's not by God punishing you. Go around being unloving all day. See what you get. Ugh. Go around being dishonest. Ugh. See what you get. Been there. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Yeah, go get it. It's... Go get it. Go walk around. Look up stupid on the internet. No videos. Look up stupid. You want to you not play by intelligent rules? Look up stupid. Oh. <laughs> See, fucking video after video after video of yeah. people unwilling. And it, it's so interesting because I think people really enjoy watching that, that sort of the, the chaos and the unmanageability yeah, we don't of feel so bad. There's a market for it. Yeah, but we don't feel so bad. When you see another idiot right. fucking up, you're like, oh, I'm not so oh, bad. Okay. Hey, I wasn't the one that just strapped a shovel to my ass and got pulled behind a car at 60 miles an hour. I'm doing all right. Right, right, right. <laughs> this fucking idiot. <laughs> all, right. all right, you ready for another question? Yes, and anytime you, I'm answering the questions too long, feel free to just throw no, something at me. You're fantastic. Okay. You do you. You, do you. I'm, okay. I'm here to I'll learn from you and to I pass it along. I am me. Because where this came from is I, when I started, I have a little bit of time clean. And uh, when I started doing comedy, comics kind of figured out, first off, I don't drink. So they couldn't sleep with me. <laughs> I think that's what the initial thing is. Can I buy you a drink? No, I don't drink. Oh. Um, and then it started this conversation about why I don't drink. That's why I always offer a roofie. Yeah, just start with the roofie. <laughs> start with Can I roofie, roofie you? Yeah, I think please. a lot of them have actually just uh, skipped forward to, uh, do you just want to come back to my place? Because yeah. they, they don't have... They I normally don't... just start with, can you remove your hand from the top of your glass so I can toss up? <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's really the comedy way. Um, no, they... Uh, but it what it did spark is an un, unintentioned discussion about... Um, about recovery. And Because right. and, they were very curious... Um, about oh hello about how that happened and um and and now it's like okay how do i bring these stories to everybody because right. so many people have asked so i'm just so grateful for your wisdom and and for all hey, well, of that 
maybe I could tell you a funny story then that you would like. I would love that. Okay, so I'm out seeking God. Okay. One day, right? So I'm okay. seeking God. So and and because I'm always looking. You right. know, the deal about being a hardcore agnostic is you don't know there is, you don't know there isn't. So you're just, and it doesn't mean you're okay with that. It means let's look. Right. Let's find proof of not, or let's right. find proof of is. One way or another, still searching. So I'm in Big Sur, and, and I don't know if you've ever been along the coast of Big Sur, but it's crazy, rocky, scary. The roads in winter down the, you know, the mountain slides and gnarly. And so I'm up there and, and I find out that there's a meeting in a monastery by St. Lucia and Big Sur, up by Big Sur. So I go, fuck, I'm going to go to the monastery. I go hang out with these monks, man, and I'm going to get something. So, so I drive up this crazy, windy, one lane, little road, creaking up this fucking cliff that no guardrails, ter- you know, 300 feet down to the crashing rock ocean, just crazy 10 mile an hour I drive up through the redwoods I come up to this monastery and everybody's in silence everybody's in silence and I'm supposed to meet brother Paul that's my connection Paul so I go into this room and the monks are robed and the incense are burning and there's like a gong bong 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 everyone's quiet right I walk into the room and and then one of the monks looks up and he sees me and it's Brother Paul. And he nods over to Brother Tom, Tom, another monk that's there. So they both get up and they walk out and they said, are you here for the meeting? And I go, yeah. And they go, great. And we walk into this room. We walk into this beautiful room. These guys are wearing robes. I can smell the frankincense on them, man. You know, we go up into this beautiful little room away from the, the hermitage and it's, you know, redwoods and beautiful. And the sun's like just trinkling just a little bit through the glass of the windows. And it's like, it's God. It's like, I'm looking, I'm going, oh, fuck, man. And I'm watching these dudes and they're so smooth and so calm. And I'm thinking, this is God. I'm going to get it. This is it. I'm going to get the fucking answer that I've been waiting my whole fucking life. And we sit there and we start with the, the serenity prayer. And Brother Paul says, thank you for coming. He goes, we appreciate you coming here with us and being with us. He goes, who wants to start? And he looks around the room and Brother Tom raises his hand. He goes, I'll start. And I'm like perched on the chair, just ready for him to deliver. Tom says, fuck Brother Frank. He's not doing his chores. <laughs> <laughs> What? And that's a true. That's a true story. Fuck, brother Frank. He's not doing his chores. Oh my god! I had never laughed, and we just sat and laughed and laughed and laughed. It was it was me and a couple of monks and a friend or two of mine, and we just fucking laughed. That's brilliant. When was this? Uh, probably 10, 12 years ago. Wow. Maybe? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like, it's like fucking, it just brought it right back in. Right. You're not getting any higher than human. It, exactly. Never. I, I remember the freedom I got when I realized there's no spiritual finish line. There was no point where I was going to cross a finish line and be transcendent of humanity and defects and, and just, you know, being in this. However, However, there is a philosophy that does that. Okay. And it's the philosophy of the infinite God versus finite self. We'll get into that. Yeah, I want to say because that that even transcends death. Okay, and that is the that is the the basic theory behind the twelve steps is the infinite God. It's true. Whatever. Let's go back. Are you, no, just, no, I'm, no, I'm no, just, no. Go on to your next question. We're no, at, no, I'm actually, I, I, I please, <clears throat> yeah. please elaborate. Well, I mean, that's the theory. The theory okay. is this, this, call it what you will, God, source, power, energy, right. or whatever. But the theory is the philosophy 
I, I love there's a movie Max Dugan returns and the grandfather's like a you know he's ripped off some casinos and shit and he's all into Schopenhauer he's like and all yeah. these philosophers right mm-hmm. and the grandfather's got a ton of money because he stole from all these people and and the, his grandson looks at him and goes is there money in philosophy and the grandfather goes there is if you've got the right one and I love that and so basically the. Well, your eyes are just flicking back and forth. Are no, you I'm taking, about that? no, I'm taking it all <laughs> in. I'm taking it all in. To have the right philosophy. So, okay, so now if we look at the 12-step program, mm-hmm. the basic philosophy behind those steps is the infinite God. Mm-hmm. Infinite God versus finite self. So if I believe in the infinite God, does it really matter that I don't have this month's rent? No. Does it really matter that I'm not getting what I want? No. Does it matter if my loved ones die? No. Because in the infinite God, they're there. In the infinite God, I was okay, I am okay, and I will be okay, no matter what happens in this present plane. And that's how we outgrow fear. That's how we outgrow fear. That's how we outgrow this stuff is in that thought of the infinite God. Hmm. So it's like, I mean, think about it. Okay, you and I are sitting here right now. What if... What if you knew that no matter what you did, you would be okay? No matter what you did, any action you took, you would be okay. Well, there's a sort of, I have a experiential and intellectual understanding through the steps that no matter what, I will be okay. Great. But I fight that... Um, sort of lizard brain, the amygdala saying we have to keep this person, this uh, this vessel, we have to keep it safe. There's a, a biology that says <laughs> if you if you can't pay your rent and you're homeless, you could be attacked and raped and killed. Like right. like there's there's danger, inherent danger that we're we're hardwired to avoid. You bet. And there's in and and that. That sort of the catalyst for that is fear. <laughs> yes, you bet. Basic decision making. There's a lot. I've actually read a ton about that. There right. was actually a woman. It was really interesting. She, I, I had just posted something about it recently. She had got because there's two sides to that. What did you say? Amygdala. What? Your amygdala. And yeah. Your, yeah your but there's two sides. Brain, yeah. Right and left side of it. Mm-hmm. So the her left side was removed. They had to remove it. There was a problem. So she had the right side of the same that same part in the brain or whatever it was right. but the trouble was the right side was failure there was failure to the right side too so she was on medication and do whatever but then all of a sudden she would act out she would be having trouble stopping eating she would whatever she'd be going these crazy binges or whatever she went into the hospital she was having some seizures and some issues and uh she went into the hospital and she was in the waiting room and they couldn't find her and she had wandered into another room and was actually performing oral sex on a cardiac patient whoa and because there was nothing no to tell her that's not right. Right. So so if there's people that say that, that we could outgrow fear, and you're right. If we outgrow fear, then I'm at the market grabbing Mrs. Jones's ass in the <laughs> checkout line. <laughs> because there's nothing telling me not to do it. And right. there's actually been some cases of people who have that, mm-hmm. where they're, they grab snakes, they do stuff because they're not aware. There's nothing in them that says that this will harm me. It's actually really interesting. However, we're still discussing this physical plane. Right. We're not discussing the plane beyond this. Okay. And even in that case, I'm okay. 
This is true. Yeah. I mean, whatever, all this, you know, this and that, and let's go get a hamburger for 69 cents. <laughs> Doesn't fucking have anything to do with anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just it's like, true. Just, we're just sitting here with microphones in a little, what used to be a 100-year-old caretaker shack oh, in Huntington Beach. It's fantastic in here, yeah. by the way. Yeah, thank this you very much. This is a great much. space. That's a piranha right there. That's a, that's a stuffed piranha. Does it have a name? No, it does not. I have, I have not named it. You don't name the anatomist? No, but I do have something here that's really bitching. I found this uh, once when I was in Oklahoma as a kid. Kid, I was eight years old, maybe. We're looking for arrowheads in the ground, and we're just kicking stuff around. And, and you know, everyone's finding arrowheads, and I kick a rock, and I pick it up, and it's a hatchet. It's Wild. like a, an actual, like a hatchet head, mm-hmm. right? I'm going, oh, my God, this bitching hatchet head. So I've had it my whole life. I've kept it ever since. And I was, you know, looking. I could never find anything that looked like it. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. Couldn't find anything that looked like it. So finally, I have a friend of mine who's a, a paleoanthropologist. And I, I said, hey, I found this hatchet head, you know, and she knows all sorts of people in other, you know, other whatever. So so she takes the picture and sends it to somebody. And they said, yeah, the reason he couldn't find anything like it is that hatchet head's actually 3,000 years old. It's Whoa. a it's a Moisan Fush uh, Ho head. And it uh, predates, you know, the Indian tribes that were there. Really have, interesting. Have you always had this sort of like tapped into that sort of stream of the universe thing where stuff finds you? I get whatever I want. Kismet just sort of. Yeah, constantly. Wow. Constantly. Yeah. That's it's amazing. actually really crazy. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a joke, really. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, if I want it, it appears. Yeah, That's it's amazing. really creepy. Isn't that creepy? I went fishing. And I went fishing, and I, I was the very first time I'd ever fished, mm-hmm. like deep sea fishing the very first time. And uh, I've got a one-day pass. I've been fishing one hour. I've got a one-day pass. Never been before. The reason I went is a guy on the program contacted me out of the blue and said, hey, you know, uh, he said, hey, I've, you know, thank you. Thank you for the music you've played, and thank you for the example you've set being sober. He said, I want to do something for you. Can I take you out and go fishing? And I didn't even really want to go, but I had a friend of mine who uh, was a fisherman, and he had never fished with anybody that was sober. All his fisherman friends were a bunch of drunks. So so he said, let's go, let's go. And so we went, and my first cast, first fish, was a 245-pound uh, striped mar- <laughs> striped marlin. Jeez. It was the second biggest marlin caught off the California coast that year so it was funny it was actually just I was looking for the picture to show you but I don't know where the hell Ah. it is but anyway it's no big deal but um, you ready for another question I'm always ready for more questions okay what is the most insane thought you've had clean and why what did you do about it um well I can't say that I've ever had an insane thought okay since since I've been restored to sanity See, the insanity is, if, if you look at a definition of insanity, it's a lack of proportion to see the truth is what it is. So or am I in reality? So, so have I been outside of reality, basically, is what you're asking. Right. And, and, and I don't think I have been. You know, it, it's like somebody might look at what I'm doing and say that's insanity or madness or whatever it is, but it's really, it's not to me. 
The insanity is when something's happening and I can't really see what's going on. I guess I guess if you want to talk about the most insane thought that mm-hmm. I've ever had since I've been clean mm-hmm. is driving the car and the gauge is on empty and someone looks at me and says, you're out of gas. And I say, I can make it. Right. That is fucking insane. Mm-hmm. That's insane. No, you can't make it, champ. You're going to run out again. Right. Over and over again like you've always done. Yeah. I've got it. There's a station just ahead. That's fucking insane. Right. Stop. Get gas. Mm-hmm. You know, that that that's probably the most insane thought I've had since. Everything else has just been fun. You know, it's like it's like some it feels good to like let go and do stuff and right. you know, I've done a lot of shit in sobriety or being clean that people would look and just go, Are you fucking kidding me? Totally. <laughs> How are you clean, guy? Totally. You know? It's like, but what does this have to do with that? See, a lot of times people think that that they they think that the actions that we take after getting clean, waking up, becoming aware, accepting that first step, they think that somehow the things we do will send us back to get loaded, which isn't the case. Right. I've seen some people do some unbelievably heinous shit mm-hmm. clean. However, they've thoroughly worked a first step, so they don't return. They don't think that the drugs and alcohol are going to work for them. That's the insanity. The insanity is fucking thinking that getting loaded is going to help. So what about the idea of painting ourselves into a corner that we can't get out of clean? How could you not get out of any corner clean? That's true. I've I've definitely I've definitely the, swung my way out of some. Yeah, there is stuff. no that doesn't have anything to fucking do with it. Mm. And I know it because I have seen friends that have killed themselves rather than get loaded. They right. painted them into they painted themselves into such a corner that they fucking killed themselves because they realized that getting loaded wasn't an option. Right. That wasn't an option. It's like getting loaded to me means taking a chainsaw and chopping my fingers off. Well, when's that sound good? You know, when if I get painted into a corner, I think, oh, God, I know what's going to get me out of this. Give me that chainsaw. I'll just fucking whack my fingers off. Right. I don't think that. No. And now that may sound crazy, but let me tell you something. I've had way more trouble fucking getting loaded than I've ever had from chainsaws. That's true. You know, or any of that other bullshit. It's, it's like, you know, I heard some girl talk about insanity one time. She was saying about every time she drank, she she would drink and get loaded. She She'd get lost and fucking... You know, couldn't find her way. She'd end up, you know, raped, you know, all sorts of shit. So she made a name tag that she put around her fucking neck and it had her name and her phone number and her dress on it. And she had it with her. And she goes, yeah, I'd put this name. She goes, I would so insane that I would put this fucking name tag on when I went out to get loaded. Wait a minute. That's not insane. That's totally rational, reasonable thinking. Right. You know that when you get fucked up, you can't remember who you are, don't know where you are, and you need fucking help getting home. That is rational insane. Insane is saying, God damn, every time I go out, I fucking don't know where I am, blah, 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 blah. I was going to put a name tag on, but you know what? I'm not going to need it this time. Hmm. That's fucking insane. That's insane. Hmm. So, so have I done crazy shit clean? Yeah, fucking made bombs, fucking, you know, all sorts of shit, you know? <laughs> And blowing stuff up, fucking going nuts, you know, just basically doing all sorts, just having fun. You yeah, know? I've done a ton of fun shit. I think people believe that when you get when you get clean, that um, you're suddenly saintly, and I, th- I I think that's an outsider's view. Um, 
sometimes it's an inside view as well. It's sort of an expectation we put on ourselves. Right. But um, man, I have caused a, a, a ton of chaos and had a ton of fun and did a ton of things clean that that most people would say. I, I once had a, a comic look at me and go, I've never heard the program blame or heard anybody blame something on the program like that. And I was like, I'm not blaming it. I'm just saying that prior to being clean, I didn't have those experiences. And then I did. Yeah. Way too sober yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> was way too clean yesterday. That's bad news. Bad yeah. news. Just yeah. me in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Well, this is, uh, this kind of gets back to where we started, but, uh, as far as the book, um, what inspired you to do that? We talked about that a little bit before, but money. <laughs> what? Why is that bad? No, it's not bad. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. I'm I'm laughing because I I love the response actually. Yeah, it's okay. Money's okay. There's nothing wrong with money. People need, need money. It. They need it. I'm good at what I do. Right. You know, it's okay. Could I be better at what I do? Fucking, you bet I could. Okay. I'd be way better at what I do. Could I? Could I be more open minded? You bet. You know, could I could I convey a better message? You bet. Right. But I, I wrote a book that's meant to touch people that maybe struggle when they come into the program. Right. Maybe they're uncomfortable with God. Maybe they're uncomfortable with the 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 kind of goody goody, you know, oh now I'm gonna get good. You know, mm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I didn't want to get good. I thought, oh fuck, I'm not working these steps. I'll never be able to write another thing in my life if I get too good. That's disgusting. Who would want to read right. that? Then I realized I could work as many steps as I wanted and I still wasn't getting any better. So it <laughs> didn't matter. But but it's 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 basically so so it's two things. I wrote the book basically for people to enjoy. And this has been something that's a long time. People have always said, Hey, why don't you write this down? Why don't you write this? Why don't you write this? You know, we love the way you break it down, love the way you break the steps down. We write about it. And then mm-hmm. and then the other thing, it's like it's it's good for me. I can you know, I can sell books. I'm I'm I live off selling books. That's how I live. Right. So that's it's amazing. good. Yeah. It's good. Money and fun and help. Money and fun and win, help. win, win, and <laughs> everybody it, wins. It seems like you kind of enjoy ruffling the feathers of those, you know, old curmudgeons in the program that are like, "Do it this way, or you can't, you can't get it." They're not all old, sadly. That's true. They're not all old. There, yes. there's a new generation of curmudgeons. There's the unbelievable, of rigid yeah. curmudgeons. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable, basic prison-based recovery which mm. is not what recovery is about and and it's not about being long to like like i've done a book study in my house uh for 18 years i've done a monday night book study at my house and and the meetings loaded with long timers right. 40 years 45 years 30 30 30 27 27 you know the meetings populated with men and women with decades of being clean right and they're open-minded they're loving they're 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 you know willing to learn they're you know it's like, so there are those people out there, mm-hmm. you know, I just attack the ones that want to supplant God. That's my problem. It's like, hey, hey, bitch, don't fucking tell me that you believe in God. And then you supplant them by setting yourself up to be your sponsee's higher power. Who right. the fuck do you think you are? And who the fuck do you think you are standing up and meeting and claiming your sponsees? That's true. These are your people? You own these people? Right. It's like I'm a fucking hardcore socialist, you know, agnostic fucking hardcore socialist borderlining on anarchy if we were mm-hmm. fucking responsible enough to do so, you know, and right. I'm and I'm a I'm a book guy. I follow what the book says. Right. You know, 
And it says we place our dependence on God, not man. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just remind these people that you are not where their dependence should lie. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Who the fuck do you think you are? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it gets easier and easier. The longer I'm I'm clean, the easier. Because it's like they can't say, oh, you just snot nose. Ah, oh, fuck. I got 26 years, bro. I, I fucking, you know, I'm <laughs> in meetings. A little bit of gray in your hair gets yeah, you a little yeah. further. I'm fucking in meetings all the time. I've got a mentor that I call and discuss with. I'm fucking, a, I'm a coffee maker here. I do this meeting. I do that meeting. Take mm-hmm. commitments. I got fucking over 3,000, 300,000 miles on my fucking car in 10 years, driving around giving talks for free. What do you want to talk about? Right. You want to talk about fucking commitment, bitch? You want to talk about fucking mentorship, sponsorship, guidance? You want to talk about book study? I'm fuck up in that book. What page? Name me a page. Name me a line. You want to start discussing? Fuck you. It can become a dick measuring contest, can it not? You bet it can. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. And I like to just pull out the big schlong and say, (laughs) (laughs) fucking pack up that little fucking circumcised shit that you're slinging because that ain't happening here. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. And then besides that, I'm 6'4", 280 pounds and a real fucking bastard. So so it's like, hey, if we can't just argue it out intellectually, I'll just beat my opinions into you. Well, that's there's something to that. I respect that. I, I rather enjoy that, actually. Because um, as a five foot five woman, when I you know spout the very same opinions, I, it is received a little bit differently. I hate to say that. But um, yeah, I, I I like a guy who can go in there and just be like, "This is where this is where I'm at." I don't always like to go up against a guy like that. <laughs> but it's all right because it doesn't matter if you're five foot five because most men's balls are only two and a half feet from the ground. That's there exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, uh, how obviously you're pretty open about your twelve step process because you've written some books about it. How right. you uh, you've done a lot of things in the world how how much of that have you sort of led into other areas of your life how open are you just would you all say of it all of it yeah. i just don't say i'm on any specific program exactly that's it yeah. i say i'm clean mm-hmm. i say i work 12 steps i say i'm in recovery yep i say i can say i'm an alcoholic right. i can say i'm a recovering alcoholic recovering addict i just don't claim membership right we're not representative of i'm not representative because sometimes my behavior is not great mine too You know, and that's the bottom line. But other than that, it's all over. And there is actual, you know, I I understand the the principle of anonymity. I understand Mm -hmm. that principle. It's a great principle. Principle, I love it. Great. Uh, It gets fucked with on both sides. Some people in the program are too anonymous. Uh, There's a lot of people that within the program don't use their last names in meetings. And it was suggested that we do use our last names in meetings hmm. because within the program, we're not anonymous. Outside the program, we are. So so there's a lot of times you go, oh, well, over on the Sunday night meeting, John, John, what John? Well, John, brown-haired John. Oh, brown-haired John. So then you go, one of our members gets injured, goes to the hospital. I'm here to see Fred. Fred who? Fred the coffee maker. <laughs> Fred the coffee maker. It's like I've been to hospitals looking for Fred. You know? Yeah. Can't it, find him. I've been to hospitals looking for people who go by aliases. 
they go by a different name in the program. Yeah, Seaside Johnny. I'm <laughs> exactly. Seaside Johnny. I'm. It's like, come on, dude. What the fuck? What? What? Please tell me what. What sounds less anonymous? Ted Kaczynski or the fucking? <laughs> what, what was his? What was the other name of that guy? What is this? The the fucking bomber. The, the Unabomber. Unabomber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What sounds more anonymous? Right. You know who the fuck's Ted Kaczynski? I don't know. Who's the Unabomber? Oh, motherfucker! That's the Unabomber. You know, it's like it. it it's whatever it's crazy it's like it's like but there is a little bit of a movement now where some people are breaking away from the anonymity mm-hmm. and the reason why their their reasoning behind it i don't know if i'm completely sold on it but a lot of their reasoning behind it is to take the stigma off the alcoholism and drug addiction mm, okay. so basically say you know hey i'm fred smith and i'm an alcoholic in recovery you know, working the 12 steps, whatever. So they, to, to make it less of this creepy, hidden, in the, in the dark, you know, bags over our fucking heads in some alley, you know, getting a fix of 12 step. Right. Right. You know, crazy. Anyway. That's interesting. All right. Very cool. All right. Where, all right. Were there defects you were afraid of losing? Yes. Because they work for you? Yes. And they felt like they made you more interesting? Not more interesting. Okay. Nothing has made me more interesting that's a defect of character. I have a hard time believing that you could be... You're you're probably one of the most interesting people I've... When we've been talking for an hour, well, and, and, and I feel like you're probably one of the most interesting people I've met in the program in a very long time. That's very nice to say. However, one of the defects of characters that I used that I didn't want to is the victim. The victim's a good one. The victim gets oh, you money. The victim delicious. gets you attention. It gets you money. It mm-hmm. gets you coddled. It gets you babied. Mm-hmm. So to step away from that, I had to be injured and not say I was hurt. I had to need and not ask for help. I had to basically keep my mouth shut. Uh, if something was going on, I had to say, I'm fine. Thank you. Which, which basically took a lot because I had to first break. Now I can give or receive. I can take and give. I have no problem. You want to give, give. Right. I give. It's you okay do. to receive. You know, a lot of people are easy to give, but not quite as easy to receive. And then there's the victim that is always receiving. You know, I'm the victim. I am the victim. I am the victim. Whether they're receiving sympathy or money or they can't make a rent or they can't do this, this, this. So to tell people I'm okay, I don't need your help. And one of the first ones that started with was my mother. She loved helping. How are you doing down there? Do you need anything? Mm. Can you need anything? Because I'd go, oh, well, you know, there is a phone bill coming up. I can't really. Well, let me give you a couple hundred. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I then do. to need the hundred, need the couple hundred. Not be able to pay the phone bill and say, I'm good. Is there anything I can do for you mm-hmm. instead? So so that was the biggest one. The victim defect was the hardest one to do. That was the one I wanted to hold on to. Everything else is fine. You just brought it home for some stuff I need to work on. That's, <laughs> wow. Yeah, but you don't need to work on any of it. That's true. Yeah, it's we don't work on up. that. You it's don't have the power up. to do that. Right. That's a fight. Resist, not evil. mm we, we give no power to the defect of character. We don't work on our defects. Exactly. We surrender them. Right? Well, we don't even surrender them. Surrender is not an instinct natural to human beings. You can't. Surrender is an unconscious act, not a conscious act. Mm. I mean, if we could consciously surrender, I could go around getting people clean. Doesn't happen. It's a subconscious. Isn't, doesn't the first step demand a, con- a conscious surrender? Oh, it does. 
Does it? <laughs> Does it? Yeah, whoever fucking, whoever was talking about that, it, it's it, a conscious surrender, impossible. Unconscious. True surrender is unconscious. You can comply, mm. but there's a big difference. There was one, one of the first psychiatrists that ever backed 12-step programs is this H. Tebow. I think I'm pronouncing it right. It's Henry mm-hmm. Tebow or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's a doctor. He, he was one of the first backers of 12-step programs, and he wrote some wonderful letters about compliance versus surrender, that you can follow orders. You can comply. You can follow a sponsor's directions, dictates. You can follow the, the, the orders of the warden or wherever you are. But it does not mean you surrendered. It means you're just following orders. Mm. And there's a big difference. Now, you watch the guys down in the prison down there over at Terminal Island. They're in full compliance. They show up on time. They go to commissary on time. They wear what's told, act what's told. Are they reformed? Hmm. Have they surrendered? Can that compliance lead to an unconscious surrender? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes by taking those actions, you can surrender. There was a friend of mine who used to say, uh, enlightenment can wait, discipline won't. Mm. So, meaning to start with that discipline, but in some, during that process, there must come an unconscious surrender. Other than that, we're dealing with will. And what do they say about will? Will alone, willpower alone will not keep us clean. And if you're in compliance, you're basically operating under willpower. And willpower will fail you. Right. There will come a time that willpower fails you. Right. Right. Hmm. All right. Okay, now, you know why we're discussing, even though we're discussing all this shit, right? I pick up cigarette butts. You're basically talking to the cigarette butt picking up guy. guy. Let's just remember (laughs) that. Like, while all this lofty talk's going down... I'm the cigarette butt guy. Yeah, you I've do been the, the cigarette butt guy for twenty fucking four and a half years. Right. At the same meeting. Well, it's those actions that kind of bring us to an understanding of who we are. Those small, those small, simple actions. Yeah. You ever see Monty Python, the Holy Grail? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember when the peasants are digging in the mud and yeah. the guy comes by and they go, "Who are you?" He goes, "I'm your king." And he goes, "I didn't vote for you." <laughs> and they start having this. They're in the mud and they're fucking covered with shit and filth and they're having a political discourse. Mm-hmm. Why in the mud? That's what this is. We're just having <laughs> We're discourse just, within the mud. Right, 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 right. And I, I think a lot of people, but I think people are really interested in the mud. Yeah, it's and, great. And the smell of it. And but they pick wanna, up the butts. Right. Pick up the butts. Pick them up. Grab a broom while we're discussing this. Do you want me to right now? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm saying that that's what they should be doing. Grab a broom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I would much rather see a newcomer to the program working at the coffee bar or sweeping up the floors or mopping or straightening chairs than I would see them studying that book. Totally. They're totally. Two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Let's get the action and then let's find the understanding. Yeah, there's a, a power yeah. in that. There's a lot of times where I think a lot of people, myself included, you do an action and then you come to that hindsight understanding and you're like, whoa, that was a really big deal. Yes. It's actually doing a thing. Yeah, it's nice. It's community. Growing. And they actually found out there's been a lot of studies about the community, the community mm-hmm. of being clean. Right. Actually is where so much of the power resides. Right. And everything about those steps is about you being a good member of the community. mm that's true. Yeah. That's so true. How do you deal with anxiety and fear? I'm not good at that. 
I, I get real anxious, fear-based. You know, it, it's. I, I've tried all sorts of tricks. I tried fucking bullshit. I've tried whatever. I mean, because I, I broke down and had like gnarly panic disorder during, mm-hmm. like bad, like like end up in the hospital a bunch of times. And mm-hmm. they'd try to put me on something and I wouldn't go on anything. You know, you're not giving me that. I'm not taking that. You know, it's like, and they're going, you're fucking crazy. Right. And one time I had a, I had to fly back from uh I had to fly back from Hawaii and I had a complete psychic break and I had my kids with me in a hotel, my two young daughters. And uh, I left my kids in a hotel room and I took a a taxi cab to the hospital and I was in the emergency room basically having a, a complete psychic break. And, and they said, look, we, we got to get you home. It's like, I couldn't get on the plane. I was so terrified that I couldn't get on the plane. And, and they said, look, you need to get home and see a doctor. And I wouldn't take what they gave me. They said that we want it, you need to take this, mm-hmm. you know? And they said, look, just take enough to get on the plane. You just got to take this to get on the plane. Now, I called my sponsor. I called two sponsors. I called my doctor. I blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. I'm fucking breaking down, screaming, fucking blah, 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 crazy. Finally, my older daughter begs me to just take this to get on the plane, to get back so I can see a fucking doctor. I got mm-hmm. the kids, I'm nothing, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I take enough just to get on the plane. So I'm still terrified, but I'm not clawing holes in my face right. or anything, because that's what I do. It's like being on speed or something. I start tearing my skin up and picking at my face and just, you know, it's just fucking gnarly. Mm-hmm. And. uh so I get home and, you know, my sponsor was fucking furious with me. You know, you ever pull that shit again like that and don't follow directions like you're asked to. You know, he was really like bummed at me. Right. You know, you're not following doctor's orders. Who the fuck do you think you you're are, not a man? You know, and then I had the same thing happen because it, 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 it basically thrashed me. I mean, it was almost like I had had electroshock. My brain didn't work right for weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it damaged me. Whatever blew out up there blew out. I was uh, my wife would find me with stuff cooking on the stove that I just have a pan of like water with some spoons and stuff put in it on the stove, and I'm standing out in the backyard with one shoe on, just right. like you know, with something cooking on the stove. Right. Just like you're fried. You fried your brain by doing this. And and I went to a psychiatrist and they said, look, you know, you're lucky you're not in a hospital mm-hmm. from what you did. You're, you, you basically have done, you really did some damage by doing that, you know, because I was so fucking, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean. That basically I cleaned myself right into the fucking hospital. Wow. So, um, so I learned a lot from that. You know, I learned about anxiety. I learned tricks to deal with anxiety, mm-hmm. to accept it, you know, through mm-hmm. panic attacks. Like when I start to have a panic attack, I talk myself through it. Mm-hmm. Okay, look what's happening. Okay, now your arm's getting numb. Okay, now it's going to, okay, what's next? Okay, the breathing. Okay, that's right. Can't breathe. Can't get a breath. Okay, the chest. Yeah, there it goes. There's okay. the chest. So basically, I talk myself through the panic because a lot of times what happens with a panic attack is the fear of the panic increases the panic so instead of when you talk yourself through it and accept it and just run through hey this is happening this has happened before okay this is net there it is this is next this is next then it it actually lessens the attack yeah so but uh well but anyway the ride on the roller coaster yeah 
Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, and it's, you know, I'm good now. I don't, you know, I don't mm-hmm. take anything. I've dealt with it. I do, you know, I do what I got to do and solid. I mean, yeah. the only medication I take now is I have a heart problem. I have a, um, my heart doesn't beat right. So I have to take medicine for it. If you could go back in time, would you have just taken the, the anxiety meds and gotten on the plane? I would have taken them and gotten on the plane. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. I would have done what they said. There, there's an interesting thing. It's in Christian based. Mm-hmm. Okay, we talk about people being reborn through these steps. I know it's a Christian term. You're born yeah. again in the Spirit, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But we are reborn. We are a new mm-hmm. creation. We've we've had a shift in thinking, a shift in perception. We are a different being, physically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah spiritually a different being so we are reborn in a different way and one of the what there's an interesting christian line that says um when we're reborn in the spirit we will speak in new tongues we will heal the sick and if we ingest poison it will not harm us and and so what's been interesting is i speak in new tongues i talk a language of recovery and then a language of the heart, mm-hmm. which is completely different than we ever spoke before. Mm-hmm. Uh, heal the sick. We go on panels. We stick our hands out. We help people. We we basically help these lepers connect to a power. And the third one, I have had to ingest poison. Uh, to me, a uh, tranquilizer, a uh, uh, pain pill for a you know ripped out tooth or a fucking broken limb, you know, mm-hmm. something that I've had to take, which is basically poison for me. I have had to ingest poison and it has not harmed me. Right. It has not sent me back on another relapse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going to that, it's not like me saying, oh, well, I can do it now because I'm connected to God. No, because then we're going back to insanity. Right, right. And that's not true. Right. Interesting. That's very cool. All right. How do you experience forgiveness? Well. Both giving and receiving. I think the the issue was a lot of people will say that they have to forgive themselves first. You'll hear that. But how can you know forgiveness if you've never practiced it? Right. See, it has to be an experience that you've had and then you can see how it can be given to you. Mm-hmm. I I didn't come from a place where there was a lot of forgiveness in, in where I grew up. There was right. a lot of physical violence and you know, emotional abuse and that, you know, it's pretty gnarly I, where I grew up. My household's pretty gnarly grow up. So, uh, so there was a lot of that. So basically I had to see how someone could screw up and still be loved was one thing. Like with my kids was a big one because I felt love for them. And even though they did something wrong, I realized, well, yeah, but I still love them. Mm-hmm. And that was a concept I didn't get growing up. Mm-hmm. That was one. The other thing is to realize that we're sick. Everyone in some way is in some touch mentally ill and that we're not dealing. Once again, if we go back to the infinite God, we're not dealing. The soul is not sick, but mental, our mental illness is is that lays on top of that. And this physical form is what the issue is. So to realize, hey, you're dealing with mental illness with these people, these people that have wronged you, hurt you and have done these things. They're basically mentally ill. Mm-hmm. This is why they act like that. Um, it's like there was a there was an issue a while back about I, I know, 10 or 15 years ago where in a Mennonite community, a, a man had come in and shot all these people. And mm-hmm. and basically the community ministered to the man 
and to the man's family, bringing them food, making sure they had money and they were okay because the man wasn't there to support his family. So the community who had lost loved ones ministered to the man and his family because what they realized and actually put into action, not just thought, they realized that the, the man is mentally ill and the soul beneath is pure. And that is actually a lot different. I was sort of thinking when the when it first came up, the difference between empathy and um, and pity. And so that, in my opinion, is empathy and not not pity. Right. Which is a beautiful thing. Yes. Absolutely beautiful thing. Yeah. And that's funny. You know, the funny thing is the way the steps are set up is that before we go into the eighth or ninth step, before we go into this and deal with these people that we have harmed, it's really, it's not about us getting any sort of forgiveness because we've already got that. By working with the steps, we've accepted ourselves that we were ill. We see that we are not our actions, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so it makes us look at ourselves first. Look at you first. Let's go a fourth step. Before we go fix, go into these people, let's look here first. Look at you, look at you, look at you, look at you. That's what they say. It's like there's a part and there's a story and it was later added, you know, in the Bible. It's a Bible type story, but it was added later. They don't know where it came from, you know, but it's about when uh, these Pharisees, they bring this adulterous woman to Christ and, and Christ is sitting in there and he, and they say, Hey, look, this woman's been caught in adultery. She needs to be stoned. What do you say about that? Let's get this on. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, so in Christ is actually sitting in the dirt when the story's going on and he writes in the dust. See, he's not allowed to give any law. They're trying to catch him. He's not supposed to, he's not supposed to condemn this woman or say anything because they'll turn him to the Romans. He's not supposed to speak on this day. He's not supposed to work or speak on this day because it violates their laws. Mm-hmm. And so instead he writes in the dust. He writes in the dust to show them, basically. First of all, he's saying, you guys are completely fucked. Right. right? And what's he writes in the dust is let the guy without sin throw the first stone. Mm-hmm. You, whoever's without sin in here, go ahead, throw that first stone at her. Right. You know, and one by one they get up and leave. Right. But if I was there, I'd say, fuck, give me a rock. I'll bag that bitch right in the fucking head. I'm in. I am in on this one because I'm incapable when being a selfish, self-centered. I'm incapable. I come into the program, a bomb maker, a liar, an adulterer, a, a fucking car thief, a fucking gnarly. And I'll get mad at you because you don't got the coffee done on time. It's <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So it's so great in the steps. You know, it says, for, look at you, look at you, look at you first. Now look right. at them. Now go right. to look at them. Right. And, and you know, it, uh, a sin is a sin is a sin. It's it's in all a sin, it's falling short of the mark. We've all fallen short of the mark. That's mm-hmm. what they're saying. There's no, there's no, you, you don't just, you're either wet or you're not wet. You know, you're either fucked or you're not fucked. You know, it's like, it's like, hey, did you sleep with him? Nope. Just the tip. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no. What are you talking about? The whole shaft? No, just Just, the tip. Not the the shaft. Just the tip. Can't really call it sleeping at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we did not have sex. It was just the (laughs) tip. Just a minute. (laughs) So it's crazy. It's like, hey, no, yes, you did. Have you ever had like a personal experience that defines forgiveness for you? Yeah, fucking kidding. Consulate. Yeah, yeah, it's like there's day. a lot where I have to just remember they're sick or, or you know, mm. there there's a lot of it. And it basically goes back to just look at these people. They're ill. Okay. These are ill people. Right. You know, and it's really like let off a lot of it, you know. But aren't we and, all? Huh? But aren't we all? You bet. Mm-hmm. All of us. 
-hmm. Some varying stages of mental illness. That's what this all is. Anything that we, anytime we think outside the community, it's basically we're looking at mental illness. This is true. I mean, we look at it now. Look at it today. Look at it politically in our country. It's, it's, this is mental fucking illness. It's what we're dealing with. Varying stages of mental illness. It's very true. I feel like we live in a society that has just different forms of PTSD left and right. And as we like enter into a political election, you can just sort of see it coming out for a lot of people. That's gnarly. Yeah. It's gnarly. It's frightening. Frightening. No manners, nothing. I, I mean, you know, I, I love this Martin Luther King quote, and it's, and now we have guided missiles and misguided men. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorites. It's mm-hmm. like, look, man, where is this? Where is community? Where is intelligence? Where is kindness, compassion, love? Where is that? Why are that? Why is that not our guide? You know, so. I think we've just forgotten how to communicate. Well, Maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of communication going on. That's true. <laughs> Fucking, yeah. The quality of it yes. maybe isn't so great. Okay. What was one of the most interesting things you had to make amends for? Oh, uh, well, I've done a lot of fucked up shit. There's been a lot of very uncomfortable stuff I've had to make amends for. Uh, uh, there's been stuff where I've had to uh, be willing to go to jail. Um, I, I think if we're going to talk about one amends, the one amends I had to make was a graveside amends to my father. Uh, when my father died, I was blamed for his death in a court case. It was a, um, I didn't, he, my father was an alcoholic, stressed out, overweight, um, no program, came, came to the program on a court card, said, fuck these people, I'm not like them, and he split you know, and he died at 57 years age of this, basically this compounded with the smoking, the stress, the overweight, the alcoholism, boom, out, gone. So there was a court case because my father had the heart attack at work. My mother has never worked. She's a stay at home mom, never worked, no means to support herself. So basically they, there was a lawsuit against my dad's company saying that he was, you know, stressed out because of the work and whatever. And the company came back in a deposition. They said it wasn't us that stressed him out. It was him. And they basically named me and they said that my dad was constantly going down there saying my kid's in jail again, my kid's doing this again, my kid's doing this again, blah, 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 with all the fucking, you know, psycho shit that fucking alcoholic addict people can drive people through, you know, which I was doing. So so I got clean and I had people saying that's not your fault, that's not your fault, that's not your fault. However, believing that it's not my fault gave me no relief. Right. There was no comfort from that. Every time somebody mentioned dad, father, blah, 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 I'd be uncomfortable. I felt sick to my stomach. There was no peace. And it wasn't until I realized that it was my fault, that there was my fault, that I did hurt him. I did harm him. My actions did harm that man. So what I had to do is accept my responsibility for what I had done to him, go to his grave, and then basically speak to him. And offer an amends and tell him in the form of the amends that I was clean, what I was doing, that I had a daughter, that I was, you know, that I was good to his wife, that I was, you know, blah, 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 and basically make amends to my father at the grave. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that once people are dead, that that's over, but ghosts want them too. You know what I, I mean? They want their amends also. And and so to kneel at that grave, and, and then when I stood up, I realized that that was the longest conversation that I had ever had with him. Oh my god. Yeah. So can I say me too? Yeah, of course you can. I yeah. uh 
how old were you when your father passed? Uh, 24, yeah. 23 or 24. So I was, I was 17 and, um, in passing a family member told me that they believed that the, um, that the Parkinson's that ended up killing my father was a result of a stroke that may or may not have happened when we were having a fight when I was about 12, 13. And I believed it in my head that it wasn't, um, intellectually intellectually i know that isn't true that isn't possible you know um that he could have had a stroke well stroke? not that he couldn't have had a stroke that parkinson's is caused by strokes like right. i intellectually oh, right, 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 right. understood that not. those things yeah. weren't true right. but i spiritually believed it for like 10 years yeah when you were speaking i was like tearing up a little bit because i i understand that 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 was the turning point of men. One of the turning point sort of moments in my recovery, but where it came differently was a therapist telling me, no, you were a child and adults take adults to hospitals when they're sick. And that's, that's their job. Your job is to be a kid. And so, um, but I've had to, over the years, I've made a couple of graveside amends, which for me is the ocean because his ashes are in the ocean. So, right. But I completely understand, and that's with that that power. It's so odd to to intellectually understand that something isn't um, isn't logical, but to spiritually and emotionally believe it for yourself for years is is. And I think that's why I had panic attacks in my recovery too. So. And that can ha- that can have a lot mm-hmm. to do with it. And taking see, a lot of people don't understand what the strength in is taking responsibility for right. wrongs, mm-hmm. and how much power is in that. Totally. You know, if I'm wrong, then it can be solved. If they're wrong, I have to wait until they come clean, beg my forgiveness or whatever else the fuck they do. And if they're dead, it's never coming. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Not gonna happen. It's your responsibility so, now. So unless it comes mm-hmm. to me, you know, and there, there's a line you'll hear people say, they'll say, uh, the same head that got you into the problem can't get you out. You've heard that before. There's yeah. mind that got you in, but we're not, we're talking about a new mind now. We're not talking about the same mind. The mind that got me into the situation is not the mind that I have now. Same brain, different mind. Mm. So there's been a change and enlightenment. Right. So anyway, but, you know, going back to that, taking responsibility for this stuff and, you know, and willing to do it. There's, you know, there's a great member of the program and he said that uh, the, the program is never, the program asks him to go to any lengths. Like the, he has to be willing to go to any links, but the program has never asked that of him. Mm, mm-hmm. So, so a lot of it is the willingness to face these people too is right. enough. Right. You know, sometimes, cause I have amends like that, that I'm willing if they present themselves, if it comes, I'm willing, but right. I haven't had to. That's awesome. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> we pick up cigarette butts around here. Right. All right. So I, I kind of like I'm hearing it as we're sort of talking. So your day to day is picking up cigarette butts. Your day to day is hosting a meeting. Like, how does this present itself for you on the day to day? You wake up, you your eyes flash open, you start Modena. writing a book. No prayer right away. First prayer. prayer. First prayer. First prayer. While I'm laying in bed, I, I pray in the I prayed in the morning, and it's funny an agnostic thing. I pray in the morning, but it's uh, <laughs> but uh, I I prayed. I wake up praying. Okay. Uh, a lot of times I'm already saying my prayers before I'm consciously awake. I wake up in the middle of a prayer 
So I'm still asleep and I start, the prayer starts before I get out of bed. Brilliant. Yeah, so I'm out. Like sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. Really? Like it's, yeah, I'm already saying it. Okay. So, so there's a, you know, whatever. So the consciousness arises before the body does at times. So, so it's, uh, I say the prayer, I get out of bed. You know, I make coffee for my wife. Uh, mm. Sometimes I'll go to a morning meeting. If not, I, or I'll take a walk, do some yoga, do some stretching, go take a walk. And then I usually sit in here and start writing. So I come in and write, work, whatever it is, um, you know, and then I have to go, whatever, maybe I hit a meeting, maybe I got the kids, maybe I got to go somewhere. It's like tonight I'm driving down to San Diego to go give a talk. So it's, so I'll just, whatever comes up, wherever, whatever it is, and just be willing to stick a hand out, talk to some, be there, share your life with people. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh, how do you... I'm bummed now. I just remembered I had to go to San Diego. I know. Oh, I, you know God, what? I my first thought like, was, God damn it. we better wrap this up so you could take a nap and be refreshed. Yeah, actually, and... I'm probably going to just leave right now after we're Oh, done. my gosh. Okay. okay. Yeah, because then I'll just, because I drive down there, I'll sleep in the car. Two more questions? Yeah. Are please. we good? Okay. Yeah. So, and we've already touched on this. How do you communicate spiritually? So you do the, the prayer, the meditation? Well, communicate spiritually. Mm. Meaning to who? a great question yeah i mean what are we talking about i mean if you're if you're actually going to look how do you communicate spiritually what is the spirit the spirit to me the temporal is anything inside spirits outside how do i communicate spiritually basically i communicate spiritually by doing you a service uh and and there's in one of the program writings they talk about that we grow spiritually through work and Mm self-sacrifice we do not grow spiritually through prayer and meditation that's an intellectual pursuit. Uh, prayer is intellectual. Meditation is intellectual. Uh, the, the, the bottom line to grow spiritually, spiritual, to be spiritual, it can't be exclusive. It can't be, well, if you're, well, hey, uh, tarred boy, uh, you, you're really not as spiritual as this guy because he can discuss these higher concepts and you basically have just shit your pants and you're unaware of it. So, so it's basically, if we're looking at us ourselves, we have to remove the intellectual, we have to take everything out of it. So if we're going to grow spiritually, it can't be exclusive. It has to be all-inclusive. So it's basically, for, for me, it's when we be of service, when we get out, when we show a kindness, when we do anything that steps outside of self to someone else, any action. So if you say, how do I communicate spiritually? Well, I would communicate spiritually by offering you a glass of water. I would, you know, the old Christians used to bathe each other's feet when they came in. You know, that's how they communicated spiritually. Mm. You know, there's a great, there's a, a great whatever fucking Bible line, but it's a Bible line. And it's a good one. I like it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people have heard the word faith without works is dead. Right. That's pretty standard. Oh, faith without works is dead. Right. Well, what it comes from is it comes from James, the brother of Jesus, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And all these people are running around saying, uh, I'm saved. I'm saved. I believe in God. I believe in God. And James basically said, bullshit. He goes, you tell me you believe in God. So what? Even demons believe in God and they shudder. He goes, show me you believe in God by the way you treat someone. Mm. And it was the bottom line. Hey, your faith is nothing. Show me through your works. So if you're going to communicate spiritually, communicate through your works. 
That's beautiful. That's how it is. Yeah, James said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking some old Jew in the desert. Come up with that one. <laughs> not white Christian boy. <laughs> Fucking HB. <laughs> it's like, yes. Yeah, but you're here to to, to remind us. So yeah, that's, I'll tell you. that's yeah, right. I got a message from James this morning. He goes, Don't forget to touch on that, bud. Was it a text or a Facebook message? No, straight, straight. Just a little. He was hovering over the bed. Don't forget to touch on that, bud. That's, <laughs> that's beautiful. Okay, so I did do a little bit of internet research. Hypnotherapy? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, I'm a master hypnotist, master NLP practitioner. Yeah. Okay. Neuro linguistic programming. It's the words. I mean, it's it's you know. Mind and words. How often do you do this for, for others? Or? I have been doing this to you for the last hour and 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. <laughs> I don't feel hypnotized. <laughs> no one ever does. No. <laughs> That's the trick. You're not supposed to. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's basically, it's, it's, I don't know. Like moving in and out of somebody's energy maybe? or No. No, just yeah. helping them. It's it's helping. We're, you're all hypnotized. You've have you ever read a book you liked? Yes. Okay, hypnotized. You ever tried to read a book you didn't like? Yes. How hard was it? Oh, the worst. Why? Because the words remained the words. They never became more than the words. Oh. And was and the was the dog was dog period was period Jane was Jane runs was runs. It's just you just look and you're just seeing words 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 words. When you read a book that you like, the words, your mind relaxes. The words become pictures in your mind. Mm. Basically, and that's all hypnosis is. It's basically a state of relaxation. Have you ever watched a movie that you liked? Yes. You get into the movie. Oh, man, it's bitching. You mm-hmm. get in, you dig it. Have you ever watched a movie where one of the characters is somebody where you just don't believe them as that character? Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, fucking Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. It's not this guy, Brad Pitt. You know, so right. you can't. They never fall into character enough for you to believe. So, so it's interesting. In the mind, they say that there's something called a critical faculty. It basically a bouncer, a bouncer to the thoughts. And it stands in front of you. It says, won't come in, won't come in, won't come in, won't come in. And then what hypnosis does is it basically uh, lulls the bouncer, calms them, distracts them a little bit to allow you to get inside the person's mind. And then when you're in there, you implant a thought that's a thought that they would accept, a thought that they enjoy, a thought that's good for them. And the bouncer looks back and sees that there's a thought in there, but he's not going to throw it out because it's not a bad thought. Mm. And and that's basically all it is. It's a state of relaxation and then with a suggestion thrown on top of it. It's like you've been in meetings, right? And you've mm-hmm. seen new people in meetings. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do they look like? Arms crossed, feet crossed, standing there, fuck this shit, fuck this shit, fuck this mm-hmm. shit, not in, not in, not in, not in. And then somebody's speaking and somebody says something funny and all of a sudden the newcomer they laugh a little bit. Yeah, humor is a good way yeah. to crack that shell. Yeah, all of a sudden That's they why laugh we're all a little jokers. bit. So then what happens? When they laugh a little bit, the bouncer relaxes and all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Then they start hearing. See, a lot of times if I have to go give a talk, laugh, 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 and then bam, in the middle of that laughter, I'll say, and you're, you're well aware that you have a fatal illness. Right. Because then all of a sudden they just sit there and go, motherfucker. Right. I got a fatal illness. And the message is true. And the message is right. And the bouncer doesn't throw it out because it realizes, hey, 
this is good for me to understand that I have a fatal illness. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of that is, you know, hypnosis, even though it's not. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, e- even as you say that, there is a specific feeling, like a physiological effect that meetings have on me. And sometimes, because they're one of the only places I really feel safe consistently, I'll fall asleep, which is a real fun <laughs> That's look. Nice, yeah. That's not great for a meeting. <laughs> They'll look at me, though. I've had, I've had newcomers say, like, hey, it's not cool to nod out in here. And it's like, no, I actually relax to such a degree that I just will conk out and I have to yeah, just come. keep myself conscious and then see in this and i'll tell you the interesting where the neuro-linguistic programming comes in the power of words or whatever it is it's Mm -hmm. it's there's two definitions of alcoholism and addiction right there's Mm -hmm. there's two definitions so so there's a literal definition of of the substance Mm -hmm. like like uh let's say alcohol okay Mm -hmm. we'll say alcohol there's a literal definition alcohol this 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 is a definition and then there's an emotional definition see when people say, people get clean and they'll go, I feel like drinking, I feel like using, I feel like using, I feel like drinking. Well, why? And it's because their emotional definition hasn't changed yet. To using, to them, still means relief, mm, freedom, mm-hmm. comfort, warmth, right. connection. That's the emotional definition. But the literal, the real definition, what does using really mean to you? Death, Death, shit in your pants, slit in your wrist, going to jail, losing everything, end up on the street. Mm -hmm. So when these people say that they feel like getting high, that's not really what they're saying. They think that's what they're saying. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, do you really feel like shit in your pants, slit in your wrist, end up in jail? No. No, of course not. They just want comfort. They want comfort. Right. And that's the difference. Their emotional definition hasn't changed. We don't get comfort from getting loaded. We get comfort from working the steps. That's what we get. So when you say, I feel like getting high, that's not really what you mean. Mm-hmm. What you're really saying is, I want love. Mm-hmm. I want comfort. That's what you're saying. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. That's wonderful. Yes. Well, that concludes okay. all my questions. Do you have, I, do I know you've got the book, title of the book. Yeah. Let's A Principle of Recovery. Principle of Recovery. Yeah. When's Jack it? Grisham. Yeah. When's it projected to uh as to soon be as possible. ASAP? <laughs> soon as fucking possible. Okay, buy the ASAP. shit out of that book, guys. Yeah, yeah, buy it. Yeah. Buy and it. it's fun. I mean it's, it's gonna a, piss it's, off your sponsors. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I know this guy and he says he wrote me, he said, uh his sponsor's sober almost fifty years, right? And he right. goes he goes, I can't wait till the book comes out. And I said I said Oh, your sponsor's not going to let you read it. And he wrote back and wrote, he goes, fuck that. My sponsor's a big fan and he can't wait for the book to come out either. So, so that was, that's really nice. So. See, there you go. Because it is a very straight, it, it, it seems heretical mm-hmm. and it seems subversive, but it's really not. It's actually really straight program. Right. But and in it, these day and age, sometimes that seems subversive. Well, and we have to break this perception that, you know, any program is one way or the highway and any program is the, the dogma of it. it. It's really we have a set of principles that we, we choose to follow. And that's it. Everything else is, you know, up to individual interpretation. And when we get mired in that dogma, it really hurts our outside perception, which is why people ask me so many questions about this cult that I'm a part of or this, you know, they, they want to debunk it. I'm sure right. you read that Atlantic article. Yeah. And, and when I oh, read my it, friends all over that article. Yeah. Well, yeah. But the thing is, I read it. And I said, I agree with a lot of this. I agree with all of it. Yeah. There's so much of it. But what they're talking about, and I tell people this all the time. 
Go on the fucking internet and type in fuck AA, fuck NA, mm-hmm. and see what comes up. And let me tell you something. Nobody on there complains that we say believe or disbelieve however you want. Nobody complains about that. No one that. complains. Nobody complains about us checking ourselves, looking within, and mm-hmm. seeing our defects. Nobody complains. Mm-hmm. Nobody complains that we make amends, pay our bills, and, and clean up old scrapes. Nobody complains. I have never once seen fuck those program people. They pay their bills. Right. I have never seen that. Nobody ever complains that we're of service. Nobody no. ever complains that we check ourselves. What they complain about is what we have done to fucking bastardize the program. They complain about us being controlling, manipulative, supplanting God, cult-like behavior, which we're not supposed to be doing in the fucking first place. So what they're complaining about is the people that think they're running some fucking hardcore Nazi program, when in reality, your fucking hardcore Nazi program is a fucking joke. And it's what is hurting us. And you are killing people, and you are keeping people away from getting help. Mm -hmm. So keep running your fucking Nazi program champ yeah. you know it's fucking ridiculous it's ridiculous yeah. even the fact that someone would say they're a fucking book Nazi you hear that a lot it's fucking gnarly you see it on uh, you know what you're saying t-shirts. so basically what mm-hmm. you're saying is you're a fucking program member that supports the killing of six million people right you know that's, that's what you're about it's huh? a fun grouping of words guys yeah, it's fucking crazy <laughs> it's crazy crazy anyway well, well hey man think keep fighting the good fight and you're the well, best i don't fight there is no fight i know i know but you know putting putting yes. the the words and books for people to 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 arm themselves with better information yeah and that's really what it's about to do their own fucking research yeah, yeah. don't Free just thinking. take everything somebody says to you on face value pick up a fucking book man read it read it you're a delight it's an honor to thank meet you thank you very much thank you so much yes thank All you right. well thanks for having me I had you-